there. Thank you for joining me today to listen to my podcast, The Backroad Report with Jill. I'm Jill, and today we will be talking about Roswell, New Mexico, or as they say, Roswell. I don't quite have the lingo down or the how you exactly say the name, but they are the most wonderful people in this town. I actually lived there myself for a little over two years. And this small town holds many secrets about what some say was a flying saucer crash in 1947 in a nearby ranch. And we're going to be talking about that. I talked to a few different people there, and we're going to be hearing firsthand what they had to say about all the different changes that they're seeing and some other exciting news. Stay tuned. I'm of the impression, I have a civil engineering background with the Texas Highway Department for 33 years, so I don't consider myself a woo-woo. I think I have some credibility as far as my background. And I tell people, if they could get here, and I use the word if, they are so far advanced of us that we can't even communicate with them because we can't go there. So I have no problem with that. I've been a Christian all my life and still am, and I have no problem with that either. Some people think I'm crazy because I claim to be a Christian but do UFO research. But I'm of the impression if you believe God created everything, that's the end of the story. We don't know what's out there. And the Bible certainly doesn't say that we're the only thing. So that leads to the question open. Could there be life out there somewhere else? That's definitely the question, even 75 years later after the incident in Roswell. That was Dennis Balthauser. He was a researcher for 30 years, and he recently, after seven years, quit doing public tours, but he was nice enough to talk to me about all of his experiences and his research with local people and talking to them about the Roswell incident. Dennis lives in Roswell. There has been a lot of talk, especially lately, and with all of the new programs coming on or evidence coming out, UFO research and UFO discussion has really amped up lately. So let's talk about what's happening in Roswell, which has kind of been the epicenter, at least over in these parts, um, of UFO discussion. They have a yearly UFO festival, which sounds kind of silly, but if you've actually been to it, a lot of the festival draws major researchers and of all kinds, they have discussions about many different topics and put on the table different theories of um, from these world-renowned researchers talking about everything you can imagine. And... Um, so it's just, it's not a bunch of crazy people walking around, although they have a lot of fun too. They have people walking around in tinfoil hats and things, just um, dressing up. They have theme costume things. But other than that, um, you do have a lot of discussion. And But even as 
early as February, someone has come out saying there may still be crash site material stashed away in one of the homes of an original um, person who was at the crash site. So that was exciting. Another movement on this issue has been the fact that the crash site itself, that property has been transferred over to another rancher who it looks like he will not be opening that up. So we're going to talk about that. Just some background, Roswell is a still pretty remote town. It's about three hours away from any major city, Albuquerque, Lubbock, Texas, El Paso, Texas. But it also has the great option of American Airlines flies directly into Roswell Air Center. And people can take advantage of the low prices to fly right now. And that's a great option too. They have plenty of hotels there and um, it's easy to get to. So I picked Roswell because there are a few different things that are happening right now in this town, especially related to the UFO, in what they call the Roswell incident. So let me just give you a little background. So something happened near the small town of Roswell, New Mexico, in July, July 5th, 1947. At the time, Roswell was an agricultural community as it is today. Plus it had the Roswell Army um, Airfield, which was really a key player in at the time for um, World War II and the nation's security. So, was it an alien crash landing? Was it a weather balloon? Was it a spy satellite? Something crashed about 65 miles away from the town of Roswell. And that is still in question today. Of course, there are many, many theories out there. But a couple of things have come up in the last year or so. First of all, the crash site where something crashed has been transferred to another ranching family, the Dinwiddie Cattle Company of Roswell. And that transfer was finalized in November last year. Bogle Limited of Dexter, which is a nearby agricultural community next to Roswell, they held that land for 66 years. And according to the Roswell Daily Record in Roswell, a deed was filed with the Lincoln County Assessor's Office, which indicated the property was about 78 acres. And that was transferred over to the Dinwiddies on November 26. So what the situation is, the crash site itself is surrounded by private ranch land, which is now in the hands of the Dinwiddie family. But the, the actual crash site is public land managed by the Bureau of Land Management. And the BLM leases that land to the ranchers for cattle grazing. So that, that piece of land is actually sort of transferred over to the rancher. Even though it is public land, it is still 
kind of owned, quote unquote, let's say, to by Dunwitty. So he has indicated to the newspaper that he does not intend to open that land up to the public for any purpose. Whereas the last family that owned it did open it up the last few years for tours. So, and it, people have gone on there to look for crash site debris in the past. So that's a big change. I talked to Dennis about this, and this is what he had to say. Well, it's under new ownership. Right. And it's my, my understanding that the new owners don't want anybody out there for anything. Right. Which, which is a shame, but that's the way it is. The actual site, Jill, where the actual craft supposedly wound up, is Bureau of Land Management, BLM, the Department of the Interior. That's their, their property. They did an environmental impact study out there several years ago, and I went out to get a copy of it at the BLM office. And when I read through it, it said that this is, be careful here due to the fact that aliens were here. Oh, wow. Well, that, that got my attention. That was signed off by eight people. I went back the next day. I said, where did you get that information? Oh, that's a joke. It won't be in the final copy. I said, here's my address. Sent me a copy of the final copy. So when I got the final copy in there, it said, this is the alleged site of the 1947 Roswell incident. That's totally different from what they said in, in the first one. And that's saying that the BLM will not say it didn't happen, but they don't say it did happen. It's the alleged site. What I did find interesting was you cannot build anything on top of that site. No structures. And you cannot do any direct drilling. You have to site drill it. You can't drill straight down. So the BLM is actually protecting that land. To get to it, you have to go across private ranch land. And that, that can be a problem out here. And that's the part that's been transferred over to a new ownership. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know if the BLM still owns that particular portion of it, but according to the impact study that I looked at several years ago, they did own that actual site. Yeah, that's all part of that same ranch. Yeah. Okay, I see. I get it. Yeah. Um, do you think that that will make a difference for people to come who come out to the UFO festival and so forth, who want to go see the crash site? No, because most years they never went out to the site. There's really nothing to see out there. Um, it's, it was cleaned up pretty well. But for most years since the festival started, nobody took anybody out there. A couple of years ago, people were taking people up to the Corn Range site, which is just 20 miles north of town. That's another place that was supposedly the crash site. There's okay. two or three of them. And uh, they were charging, and this couple of years ago, the couple that owned the, the ranch up at the Corona, they were charging 100 or $200 for people to go out there in 100-degree weather, looking at nothing, and charging them for it. I thought it was ridiculous. That sounds and, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and I don't, that's not been done anymore, and I doubt that it will with the new owners. Right. That sounds crazy. I had people on, t on tour, I had people that wanted to know if they could go out to the site. I said, well, in the first place, you have to know how to get there because it's out in the middle of nowhere. You have to go across private ranch land to get there. 
and that that's a problem. And unless you have the coordinates for it, the you know the GPS site uh, site, you're not going to find it probably. And I just told him it's 65 miles up there. It's an all day trip to go up and back. It's not worth going up there. Yeah. And is it in in Lincoln County? Yes. Yes. So Corona. Okay. That's interesting. And Matt, I remember Mac Brazel drive, drove his truck down to Roswell to report it, even though he was up at the ranch. Mac, Mac was the ranch foreman. He wasn't the owner. He was okay. the, the ranch foreman that found the debris. And the way he explained it, he said it sounded like it was louder than thunder. Uh, went out the next morning on horseback check his sheep, look at his windmills for damage, and came upon a debris field three-quarters of a mile long by several hundred yards wide. That's a lot of debris for a weather balloon. Yeah. It seems <laughs> seems like it. <laughs> um, now, Mac, you know, Mac, Mac was another one of them guys. These ranchers, I don't know how much you know about the ranchers, but they're pretty down-to-earth people. Yeah. And they don't like they don't like notoriety. They don't like publicity. They're they're fairly honest people also. And he knew what weather balloons were. He had recovered those. They had a tag on them from the Air Force for reward. Oh. So when he found one, he'd pick up the balloon, pieces of the balloon, take it down to the base with a reward tag on it and get a couple of dollars. And as a poor ranch foreman, he could use that extra money. Sure. But he certainly didn't know what this stuff was. Yeah. Dennis was such a treasure and such a great guy to talk to, but he has given all of his research and all of his files to the International UFO Museum and Research Center, which is right there, 114 North Main Street in Roswell. They are now reopened after having to close for the virus, but they are now open daily, 9 to 5. It's a very small fee to get in. But all that information is on my blog, which is jillsroads, J-I-L-L-S-R-O-A-D-S dot com, with a, also an article that contains a lot of information. With that, we're going to take a real quick break, and I'll be right back. And welcome back to the podcast. I hope you liked my really corny intro there. Um, Thank you for listening, and I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, Before I forget, I wanted to mention that the International UFO Museum and Research Center is open, like I said. In there, even if you just go to Roswell just to visit the museum when you're there for a meeting or something... You can find so much information there. The museum, before all of this virus stuff happened, they were um, welcoming thousands of visitors, possibly more than 200,000, they estimate, from all around the world every year. And the festival each summer would bring in about 20,000 visitors, and they would fill the hotels every year. But that museum has research and papers and movies you can watch they have i think every movie and television series 
an episode that's ever been made about Roswell. And you can find that all right there. It's too valuable anymore for people to check out and take home, but you can watch it and read through it. They have original testimony in the museum from first-hand witnesses of the event. Um, all kinds of interesting stuff. And it's not just about aliens, UFOs, crash, reported crash sites, anything like that. It has information about Bigfoot, um, all kinds of different phenomenon. So it's a really cool place to visit. And it's I don't really think there's anything much like it that I've heard about. So it's fun, it's unique, it's quirky. And the first time I went to visit, I think they, they've definitely redone it since because I've been there a couple of years ago. Uh, um, it's, you know, when I first went, things were written on paper behind, you know, very, very rudimentary type of a deal there. But now it's kind of upgraded itself and they've put a lot of effort into making it a little bit more um, up to date. But still, that's part of the charm is that it's really just something you go in, you read, you listen to some radio broadcasts from the time and you look at pictures and you look at different types of things like that. So that's the cool thing about it. And they have a really fun shop. And of course, all of that research material in that library that they have, that's the most valuable part about it, I think. So a couple of the things that, that are still around that people can see are some of the homes are um, the home of a colonel who was in charge during the incident, which is on the air center grounds. The homes of Major Jesse Marcel Sr., the intelligence officer who was first on the scene and reportedly took some crash debris home to show his wife and child. And the home of the First Lieutenant Walter Hout, the public affairs officer for the 15, 509th Bomb Group at the Roswell Air Base. And he was the officer who wrote that press release that announced that they had recovered a flying disc those two lived close together in town, and I've driven by the house of Jesse Marcel Sr., Major Marcel. So it's easy to find, but I'm not going to say where it is. <laughs> I just don't, I don't think that's right. But it's pretty easy to find. People live there, and that actually, that brings up a good point because just recently in February... Another person who lives in Miss Mississippi, he claimed, actually, he claimed to have met with Major Marcel later. So this, this Pasco, I don't even know how to say this, Pasco, <laughs> this man from Mississippi. Calvin Parker, 64 now. He was 19 at the time that he had his incident with an, what he called a UFO, and he claimed to be abducted while fishing on the riverbank. 
with a friend. He said later he had met with Major Marcel, who was sick at the time, and according to a news report in The Sun, he said Marcel confessed where he kept some UFO debris. And when he met with Major Marcel in 1973, he said that he talked about the Roswell incident and he claims that um, Major Marcel told him, he said, quote, he told me straight up that a UFO had crashed and that the U.S. government had tried to cover it up. He claimed that the government gave out fake information of where the UFO crash site was so that no one would know where it actually happened. Marcel then apparently went on to tell Parker that some kind of military troops were moved into the area to pick up the debris from the UFO. Parker told the son that Marcel hid three pieces in the top of his hot water heater in his house. All you had to do was undo the top screws of the water heater and remove the lid. So that's what he told the newspaper in February. I talked to Dennis about this, and this is what he had to say. Jesse Jr., I never met Major Marcel. He died before I got to, to meet him. Okay. But I met his son several times, did lectures with Jesse Jr., and just had the highest respect for him. He told me that his, when his daddy came back from the ranch, he stopped at the house about midnight, woke up Jesse Jr. and his wife, brought some of the material in, they put it on the kitchen floor, played with it, tried to piece it together, figure out what it was, and couldn't. Jesse said the next day his mother took a broom and swept some of the little pieces and the dust out into the out of the kitchen into the backyard. Well, you know what I want to do? I want to dig up the backyard. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, a, there's a concrete slab there, and you're not going to be able to dig it up. There's probably nothing there. But Jesse Jr. himself told me that they did not keep any of it. He never saw it other than when his daddy brought it to the house. So I don't, I don't buy that part of his story. Jesse Jr. was brutally honest, very humble guy and, and brutally honest. He shared stuff with me at dinner when we do lectures or something. And he almost insisted that they never kept any of the material. First place, they were afraid to because of the government, the military. His daddy was a major and got promoted to lieutenant colonel before he got out, probably to help his retirement and to keep him quiet. Jesse, was, Jesse Jr. was also a military guy and a major. He also got promoted to lieutenant colonel. So both of Marcel's had good careers, and I don't, get, I don't think they would jeopardize that. Or, because back then, you had to realize how different things were. Today, young people don't understand how much people respected the government and the military back then. Right. Just came out of the Second World War, everything was good, and they respected them. And when General Ramey said it was a weather balloon, they accepted that. That home is still there in Roswell. Also, and something else that's still easily accessible is Hangar 84. Hangar 84 is where the crash debris was reportedly taken in 1947 following the incident. 
The hangar is now occupied by Stewart Industries at the Roswell Air Center. And also, the Ballard Funeral Home is still there. I don't think until just maybe a couple of years ago, it was still owned by the Ballard family. I'm not sure about it now, but that is apparent was where reportedly the military called there to requesting caskets for child-sized bodies. And as the story goes, Glenn Dennis was the mortician at Ballard Funeral Home at the time, and he was the one who came out with that story. The, as after that, later, in the 1990s, early, it was 1991, when Glenn Dennis teamed up with um, Mr. Hout and Max Little to open the International UFO Museum and Research Center to bring all of this back around and make Roswell famous once again and really open up the whole UFO thing in that town. So what's in store for the future? The, the city is looking to expand the festival next year. Hopefully the health restrictions will be going away. But they're looking to sort of really go all out by hiring a new firm from out of town. Maybe from back east. Or I don't know. Somewhere that they're familiar with um, making events really big and and really promoting its new brand of the UFO um, phenomenon. And hopefully that will work out for them. Um, not everybody's totally bought into that, but a lot of people want to see this grow. And I did talk to one city councilor. Her name was Janine Corn Best. She's from a pioneering family from Roswell. They've been a ranch family since the 1800s. And wonderful person, probably one of my favorite people in that town. And she is really excited about the future. She said um, she's looking forward to the changes. And um, so Janine said, in three more years, it will be the 75th anniversary and in those three years, we want to build it to where it's as big as the Al as the Balloon Festival. And she's talking about the Albuquerque Balloon Festival they have every year. She said, um, we're going to get more stuff to do, and that's what I'm excited to do. So I talked to another researcher and one of the original four researchers into the Roswell incident case in the 1970s. He worked with Dr. Stanton Friedman, who recently passed away, and William Moore. And he was, you know, one of the ones who really brought the Roswell incident back into the public arena. It had kind of died down a lot, but Stan Friedman and the other three here, Cal Korf, he's a researcher, speaker, published author of many books, he also published The Roswell UFO Crash, What They Don't Want You to Know, which is available on Amazon. And he has a different take on what happened in Roswell. 
He does believe something happened, he said, but it wasn't um, aliens or anything. And I'll let you hear what he had to say about this. But first, let's take a real quick break. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. As I said before the break, I talked to Cal Korf this week, and he is a researcher, somewhat of a skeptic about the whole UFO Roswell incident. He has written many books, and he was one of the original four researchers who really brought the Roswell incident back into the public arena back in the 70s. He worked with Stan Friedman and through two others to bring that whole thing back to light. It had kind of died down in the public. So their research really brought it out and brought the public awareness back around to find out what really what really happened back then. And his book is um, The Roswell UFO Crash, What They Don't Want You to Know. And that's available on Amazon. So his theory is that something did crash, he said, but it was not aliens. It was something, a super secret government program. And I'll let him explain that to you. But he is coming out with new research on the subject, something that has been hidden in the archives for the last 20 years. And he's really excited about that. He'll, he will be updating his books, he said, in the next couple of weeks. And he will bring that all out. Here is Cal Korf. Roswell really did happen, meaning we launched a spy device against Russia that was so classified it was equal to the Manhattan Project of World War II. Even the professor who launched that device was not told the code name for it. We had to tell him of it. And we found it accidentally. Even the professor who launched that device was not told the code name for it. We had to tell him of it. And we found it accidentally. Excuse me. <clears throat> and that project remained classified for 50 years, was only discovered accidentally as a process of bureaucratic uh, declassification. It was never officially declassified. And it led to the myth of Roswell. The government did say they had a flying disc. This, that term back then did not mean aliens. It didn't They didn't know what UFOs were in 47. And um, the officer who founded, Major Marcel, um, he never knew what the real nature of it was. It was a spy device launched against Russia 10 years before Sputnik and uh, was meant to spy on Russia because they were working on a nuclear bomb. We wanted them to conduct the test above ground, not below. So we didn't tell anybody that we had eyes on them. Uh, 40, 50,000 feet in the air constantly with these constant level mogul balloons, one of which fell and crashed and uh, was reported to be a flying disc only because the rancher overheard stories of these and that there was a reward for one. So that's his theory on the deal. And it's always good to add in everybody's point of view, but, and I'm sure I'm Obviously, missing a million different theories there, but uh, Korf said he doesn't blame the city for wanting to make money off of the Roswell incident. And he said the key is that everybody works together to find common ground. I think that's also the, the best part of the Roswell UFO Festival and everything that they 
support down there in that little town is that they invite everybody to come talk to the public face-to-face. There's even a support group for abductees. And I have actually sat in on that group, and it's so sweet. I mean, they have the kindest people there, and people are just so supportive. And, you know, they have every kind of thing that you can imagine for this small town to be hosting this kind of thing for so long. And it's just wonderful. So if you're looking for a little bit of Americana with a UFO flair, you should head to Roswell. It's wonderful. They have shops and they have all kinds of things going on, especially the fact that in these times you can drive right up to these places, over to the air base where, by the way, they are also storing 400 aircraft that are grounded right now due to the virus. So that in itself is a pretty cool thing to look at. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you do, please subscribe or visit my website, jillsroads.com, and keep listening. Hang on, before I go, I promised on my blog I would add an excerpt from a recently released police interview of Charles Hickson and uh, Calvin Parker from October 73 when they reported their UFO abduction that um, they claim happened in Mississippi. They reported this to the Jackson County Sheriff's Department that they had a close encounter with four and a half foot creatures from a UFO while fishing from the bank of a river. So I'll add that here. I had been through enough. I 
don't you add to that damn thing? And when he brought me up, when I left them there with a the hell, you know, that hell I left them there with a hell got you straightened out, man. Right. I didn't know until I remember my heart, they just froze up just like that. I couldn't do it, just like the stuff on the damn walls. But they didn't, uh, they didn't do anything for you, know, they? to hear but it is from 1973 and Mr. Parker said that he was given that by a sheriff's deputy and it's just really interesting. Okay have a good week.